Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Give me that old-time religion, give me that old-time religion, give me that old-time religion, it's good enough for me. <laughs> we all know the song, well, not so fast. In today's world, the old ways of worshiping God are fading away, replaced by what? That's the topic of today's program with our guest, Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. Lincoln, what's happening to our old-time religion? Well, the, the Bible says the faith of many will grow cold. Yes, yes, <laughs> That's as good yes. a summary as that I can think of. Yes. And we clearly are living through that. because God was ideologically dead, was it, sometime in the oh, 50s my. and 60s? Yeah. But really, religion continued. But I think that was a forerunner of the sensibility that we're more and more seeing. People like religion. People love to go to church services. But I think a deep-seated spirituality that really believes that there's a deity, really believes God answers prayer, and that's a personal spirituality, not a political agenda mm -hmm. or an agenda against someone else's religion. That's fading. Yeah. That's not trendy anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no question that in our modern world, with this weakened form of religion, and yet the continuing stresses for resources and for, uh, for, for power within different community factions, religion is playing a, a vastly different role than it did before. And on this program, I'm always talking about the so-called religious right, and I feel a bit guilty about it sometimes because I know many people in the religious right. There's some good people there. Mm -hmm. It's not wrong from one end to the other. But as, as I've tried to say... The religious right or the moral majority that began in the 70s had as its goal to mobilize a moral majority for political action. Mm. And I think that was the fatal flaw to the whole system. You can hunt all you like in the New Testament. And there's just no model for political action by Christians. That's true. That's true. Easy find contrary statements, you know, Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world, you know, if it were, my followers would fight for me and all the rest. And he even said, the poor you always have with you. Yeah, yeah. He didn't say, let's get rid of all of the poor, but, you know, he, he did tell the rich young ruler, give all that you have to the poor and then follow me. So that there's a role for personal sacrifice in making a difference in the world. But, but certainly religious pressure groups to twist society to their ends, it's not a good thing. And it really, I think, has been empowered by this loss of the old-time religion that you're thinking about. You know, Lincoln, you and I both have done mission experiences. We've done mission work, and uh, the idea of the mission work is to go and save souls, and we set up a tent, or we rent a building, we have people come in, and we tell them about God, we tell them about the laws that God has put in place for us to have us live better lives. And some people listen and change, and some people don't. And as we watch those people who don't leave the auditorium, we think, well, how am I going to get them now? I know. Let's make it the law of the land 
demand that they do what God tells them to do. Is that what's happening here, at least as far as the far right's concerned? But it it misses the whole point, because it's not even a religious saying. You know, someone persuaded against their will is unpersuaded still. This is true. This is true. (laughs) And so if if true Christianity is about changing the the mindset, the heart, Mm -hmm. I mean, how does that accomplish it? Not at all. It just makes the uh, religious person... And maybe I could better use a better word, makes the pharisaical person <laughs> yes, yeah. feel like they've accomplished something, because yeah. someone like that judges their religion on externals, not on the, the real dynamic that's driving it. Someone like that might be very happy, since they're about show and doing things. If they make other people do the same thing, they've increased their personal power, and they've, they've solved the uh, I'm trying to think of the Bible story. The Pharisee, I think, was a little troubled by the sight of the poor person. Yes, yes, yes. So you get that out away from your sight. But if, if you're, as the missionary used to be, someone that wanted to reach into that person's psyche and change their life for the better, and yet not force yourself on their society, which is sort of a, a new way of seeing it. Yeah. Many missionaries made that mistake. Yes. It's a different dynamic. But the reason I brought up this topic for this program is I've got a good article for the upcoming issue of Liberty that I didn't so much assign it as discuss it over with Ed Guthrow, one of our authors, as you are. (laughs) And he titled it, Who Hijacked My Religion? And I think he's given a pretty good outline of what we've discussed a bit already so far. And with our listeners' allowance, I'll read a couple of paragraphs of what he wrote. The fusion of a nationalist agenda of faith and identity politics was emerging while a considerable section of the faith community and astute politicians played each other like fiddles, (laughs) shamelessly pinning a campaign button on the robe of Christ, wrapping him in a flag, then parading him around as a political tool. I do not recognize that Jesus. And so that's what happened in the 70s and 80s and right up through this new uh, millennia. And this resonated with me, too, because I'm always anxious, as all religious liberty activists are, to see how we can involve young people. Yes. And what witness are young people getting from politically activist Christianity? He says this, myriads of young people have grown up in this unsteady climate with the perception that Christianity and a particular strain of political conservatism are one and the same. Yet not all Christians are comfortable with this reality and wonder if Jesus... And the words, my kingdom is not of this world, is being kicked to the curb. Mm. What is the fallout? What price has been paid after years of this uneasy dance between faith and the compromise for political influence? You know, I've been studying into this a little bit, as you do on a regular basis, and there is a shift. The the new time religion seems to be that religion of the heart, seems to be that religion right where Christ said it was supposed to be. I want to set up my kingdom in your heart. Would you agree that perhaps in this world today that young people are beginning to say, hey, I want a heart religion, not a corporate religion or a head religion. I want my heart to feel this every time it beats. Am I right? Yes, but I don't know that the churches have noticed it. Because young people are inherently idealistic. They yes. think that way generally, not just on religion. But that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing that they're idealistic. We should be idealistic. Right. No, it's a very good thing. Yeah. But they're not so much seeing it in the church 
so it's not been harnessed. Mm. The statistics are plain that there's a lot more people that are identifying as spiritual, but they're not connected with any church. They have a sort of a spiritual sensibility, but right. a lot of church activity turns them off. Yeah. Yeah. And somehow we, we need to uh, encourage the churches to uh, change their climate so that they, as an organization, are more attractive to this spirituality and idealism of young people. Fact one, then, that the young people today have the right idea, they're idealistic, they're wanting to set up the kingdom of God in their hearts. Fact number two, churches are not doing a really good job of harnessing that. No. Just to put it beyond Ed Guthrow and, and, and my comments, he quotes Christian writer Michael Gerson, very well known in right-wing Christian circles. He wrote an article, oh, it seems like about a year ago, in the Atlantic magazine, and he wrote this. He says, it is the strangest story how so many evangelicals lost their interest in decency and how a religious tradition called by grace became defined by resentment. Wow. Christianity is love thy neighbor or, or it has lost its way. Yeah. Even this we discussed in another program, the uh, reaction to Roe v. Wade and these rather restrictive new uh, rules. I think they're promoted by resentment as much yeah. as yeah. real love for either the unborn or the, the, the mother that's facing this conundrum of what to do. We don't talk about Donald Trump directly very much on this program, but I have a feeling that a lot of the pushback that we have against our president is due to resentment, the fact that he's there. Would I be right in saying that? Yes. I don't know that it's religiously uh, right, right, just, oriented. In fact, it's easily uh, posited by uh, many in the faith community that it's secularists that hate Donald Trump. Yes. That the faithful are supporting him, which is odd because he's the most manifestly secular president we've had for a long <laughs> time. Is. Yeah. But it's the right of anyone to back anyone in the political sphere. Yeah. But I think it's, a, as Gerson said, it's a shame that Christianity has been so easily bought mm. that it's silent on an aspect of morality because it wants the power. Okay, so we see the problem. What are we supposed to do? How do we move forward from here? I don't think Ed Guthrow gives the answer. It's part of the problem. Let me read one more paragraph, yes. because I could say it, but I think he summarized it well. It's something that many people may not be aware of. He says, a branch of the movement, Seven Mountain Dominionism, calls for believers to take control over seven leading aspects of culture. And these are family, religion, education, media, entertainment, business, and government. Hmm. Family, fine. Religion, why not? Yes, yes. <laughs> but some of the others, it's sort of an unfriendly takeover yes. of, a, of an unpersuaded civil society. Yeah. And yes, if they can be uh, moderated and their minds changed by Christian witness, that's what it's all about. But yes. they don't mean that. They really mean a push against the secular order as they see it. And how does that differ from a theocratic state right. in any way. Right. I, I don't think so. And of course, dominionism derives from Christian reconstructionism, which uh, openly calls for an Old Testament-style regime in America. We are being called to introduce people to Christ's love, not necessarily to Christ's laws. And we seem to have that backwards. We come at people with laws and regulations and thou shalt nots, and we should be coming at them with, I love you. You're, you're pregnant. You're not married. I love you. You're, you're an adulterer. I love you. You're a thief. I love you. You're, you're confused. I love you. That needs to be the marching orders. Am I right in saying that? 
Yes. And let me read again. Yes. I want to read a lot this program. Yes. Ed wrote, he says, I do not recognize the Christ infused into today's political religious quagmire. He bears no resemblance to the Christ of the New Testament, the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. That Jesus is about building up, not tearing down. That Jesus is about hope, new beginnings, and a love so strong for humanity that it would lead him to the ignominy of the cross. He did not admonish his followers to overthrow the occupying Roman government, but offered forgiveness, personal peace, for the minds and hearts of mankind. Beautiful, beautiful. I think there's the solution written in there. Love is the solution. Knowing Christ, the loving Christ, the Christ that was on the cross, that's the solution to it all. And if there's one message that this program wants to get out to you today, listener, is that is the solution. God is the solution. Yes, I think so. Listener, we are done for today. And until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed inviting you to stop by libertymagazine.org and read some of these articles, look at the videos and hear the radio programs and subscribe to the magazine. Lots of good stuff there. Libertymagazine.org. Until next time, we are inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443 443- 391-7258 or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. <laughs>